0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, this latest episode of the Bull and the Bear podcast. I'm moneyandmarkets.com research analyst Matt Clark and your host for the Bull and the Bear. Glad, uh, glad you're with us today. Uh, just to get uh, all the stuff cleared out of the way before we get started, uh, if you're listening to us on podcasts uh, or if you'd like to listen to us on uh, on a podcast channel, you can listen to us on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're also on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and at last count, about 20, uh, different podcast syndicators. So you can follow us that way. Uh, go to your favorite podcast, you know, syndicator of choice and find the Bull and the Bear podcast. Just follow us and, and, and you'll get updated every time we, we put out a new episode. Uh, also check out our YouTube channel. We we video all of these so all of our shining faces can be seen uh, each and every week. Uh, you just go to youtube.com and type in the uh, money and markets and you'll see our YouTube channel got a lot of stuff there. We've got our week ahead series Uh, We've got a a couple 101 series videos, the bull and the bears there. We're starting a few other things as well. So I encourage you to go and subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, and that way you get alerted to each time we put out a video. Also, if you want to leave us a comment or uh, you have a question or you'd like us, uh, maybe there's a particular stock or something like that you'd like us to review and one of our videos, uh, or, or perhaps on moneyandmarkets.com, you can email us the bull and bear at moneyandmarkets.com. Uh, that's the bull and bear at moneyandmarkets.com. The emails in the show notes, but I'll also try to put that down at the uh, at the bottom of the screen right here, so you can you can see uh, what uh, what we're going, what we're uh, what I'm talking about. So, uh, and also don't forget to check out moneyandmarkets.com. Uh, the, all, all three of us on today's podcast, you'll see uh, work from all of us, uh, including uh, not myself. Contributor Charles Sizemore and our Chief Investment Strategist Adam Odell. I'm going to bring those guys into the fold here in just a second, uh, but first let's get right to it today. Um, you know, in, in looking for sectors, I, I usually, I always take my cues from Adam, just because he he does put out a leader and laggards board uh, every week to uh, to several of his to his subscribers for both Green Zone Fortunes and his Cycle Nine Alerts. Uh, 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 subscription service and, and I take my cues from there uh, just because I think it provides a nice uh, balance and sh- gives really good insight into something that we should be looking at and, and, and this week was kind of an interesting uh, the interesting leader for uh, the uh, S&P uh, 500 sectors um, and it's the industrial sector and I thought that was interesting uh, considering how uh, if you look at the data according to the Federal Reserve uh, Industrial production in the US has, has contracted at an annual rate of 43% in the second quarter. Uh, it's the largest quarterly decrease since World War II. And I'll put that in perspective. In World War II, uh, the US was just booming in terms of industrial uh, expansion, mainly for the war effort. And then after about 1946, 1947, that all tapered off because there was no need to build the massive amounts of military equipment and surplus that the country was building. So we saw a huge uh, contraction in in manufacturing, and it wasn't because of a coronavirus. It wasn't because of a downturn in the economy. In fact, it was leading into the booming '50s, where the economy was fantastic and wealth was was uh, spread out evenly uh, and very nicely amongst uh, Americans. So this time it's a little bit different. The contraction is, is due in large part to the, the coronavirus that we have uh, that, that continues to you know kind of ravage across the globe, and as well as uh, uh, you know, different economic factors, such as obviously GDP is down, we're, in, we're, we're looking at recessionary type uh, economic figures. Uh, factory output in the second quarter is down 47% at an annual rate. So uh, basically, factories just aren't producing as much. But interestingly enough, uh, if you look at the S&P industrial sector spider uh, ETF, uh, it has jumped more than 50% since reaching its uh, low in March of 2020, along with all other stocks. So uh, I think that's very interesting. So today, uh, I want to talk about three different uh, industrial companies. These are all companies that, that you know. Uh, these are all companies that you have heard of in some form or fashion, I'm sure. Uh, one of them might be a little bit an outlier, but I'm pretty sure you've heard of at least two of them. Uh, and then I want to talk about and get our take uh, on each one of those. We'll start, start right away with the first company. Um, this is a, a, an aerospace and defense company. It uh, provides uh, advanced systems and services for commercial, military, government customers across the globe. Uh, it operates in four businesses. It's got its Collins Aerospace System, Pratt & Whitney. Uh, it's got intelligence and in space and missile and defense. And the big part of this company is that it recently merged with United Technology back in April of 2020 in a multibillion-dollar deal. And it's big because United Technologies was uh, a much bigger company than this one was. Uh, and, and now it is kind of it has expanded rapidly. And the company I'm talking about is Raytheon Technologies uh, Corporation. It trades under the New York Stock Exchange um, on the ticker RTX. Uh, and I, I, I picked this one just because I thought it was an interesting. Uh, it plays with government. It's uh, in, in the aerospace sector uh, or aerospace uh, subsector. And I thought it was just an intriguing stock to look at. So I'll first toss it over to uh, Money Markets contributor Charles Sizemore. And uh, Charles, give me, give me your take on, on Raytheon. What, what do you think about this, a uh, defense aerospace and defense
1: contractor? Well, so this is gonna be a tough market going forward for anything in aerospace. Um, as we are well aware, the uh, commercial airline sector is, is a disaster right now uh, because of the coronavirus. Uh, I believe uh, flight volumes, volumes, is that the right word? The number of flights being taken anyway, is uh, even after recovering, it's at something like fifteen percent of normal still. Even even after recovering, uh, maybe it's up to twenty by now, but it's it's not getting back to previous levels anytime soon. Even if um, you had a, a cure to the coronavirus tomorrow, it, there's it's not like the next day people are forming a queue to, to go to the airport. I mean, it, it's it this will take a lot of time, and when it comes to budgeting new aircraft and 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 whatnot, that that's that's, that's years, you know. That, that's not something that, that battleship doesn't get turned on a dime. Uh, beyond that, there, there's the government angle. So uh, we had a huge military spending bill a couple years ago and that's, that's fine and good, but that, that's done now. There's not likely to be another big military spending bill anytime soon. Spending priorities for the government are likely to be more civilian in nature, uh, rebuilding after coronavirus. There's not uh, there's not a lot of political demand for uh, big military expansion right now. That could change, I suppose. But um, when when I I look at Raytheon, I see a good company for sure. I just I don't see a catalyst in the near term to to send the shares higher. You know, to me, there's there's no compelling reason to tie up capital in this stock.
0: Okay, and uh, now I'll bring in uh, Money Markets Chief Investment Strategist Adam Odell, and and uh, Adam. What are your thoughts on Raytheon? Is this, is this a company that's worth an investor's eye?
2: Uh, for me right now, Raytheon, both in the short term and the longer term, is a pass. Uh, unless you think the Space Force is suddenly gonna take over the, uh, the Army and the Marines and the Air Force and the Navy, really don't see a, an impetus for Raytheon to, to really uh, get off its, off its feet. Um, This is a volatile stock. This is a stock that fell more than 50% during the Corona crash, and it hasn't really rebounded the way that most other stocks have. So I'm looking at the chart right now of Raytheon, and it's still 35% from its uh, February highs. It's well below its uh, 200-day moving average, meaning it's in a downtrend. Uh, One of my primary rules is that we only buy stocks that are in uptrends because doing that not only increases your odds of success with a bullish trade, but it also decreases your uh, risk of a drawdown. You have lower drawdowns if you buy stocks that are already trending higher. So Raytheon does not fit that bill uh, as far as my kind of cycle nine alert approach. Uh, It's not in an uptrend. It does not have market beating momentum. In fact, it has market lagging momentum. That's one point I want to make, even though that the industrial sector, I do a, every week I do a leaders and laggards board and I look at the 11 spider sector ETFs, Um, like XLI is the one for the industrial sector if you want to look it up. And even though that the industrial sector as a whole is has the most market beating momentum right now, and that's forward looking, meaning over the next two to three months, is showing me a signal that thinks that um, that my system thinks that the industrial sector could outperform the market over the next two to three months. Uh, that sector as a whole is not in an uptrend yet, so you really want to be careful. I want to kind of caution listeners that you don't necessarily want to go into the whole entire industrial sector uh, head first. You want to kind of pick spots within the industrial sector that look, um, you know, better favored. So right now, Raytheon is not uh, in, in my favored list. Um, as, as Charles mentioned, the airlines like American and Delta and Alaska Air, those rank at the very, very bottom of the industrial sector. When I scan, when I basically run uh, all of the top holdings of XLI through my my six-factor stock rating system. Uh, which is part of my Greens and Fortune service, it, they rank at the very, very bottom. So commercial airlines is definitely a no-go right now. As we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, freight lines, like anything that moves uh, you know, packages and goods around the U.S., uh, those are kind of at the top right now. So right now, uh, you have to be kind of selective within the industrial sector, and uh, Raytheon is definitely a pass for me right now.
0: And, and I, I agree. I like Raytheon as a company. Um, I, I like, uh, you know, they, they have been a government contractor for years. Uh, they will continue to be a government contractor. I just don't know that I see government spending being what it has been. Uh, you know, I, I think where Raytheon is going to make inroads is not necessarily in aerospace. I think it's going to be in, in missile defense systems. I think that's where their forte is going to, going to wind up being. Uh, commercially, I, I really just don't see them making any inroads at all. They, they've been very sparse uh, in the commercial sector. I think they've been more geared towards government and military contracts. Uh, I don't see that international military spending is going to be uh, a boon anytime soon. I don't. I don't see nations coming out of the coronavirus and deciding that now's a great time to spend more on military. Um, so I, I think I think Raytheon is going to struggle. Uh, I, you know, their, their merger with United put them on good footing financially, um, but I think this this where we're at in the market just is not giving Raytheon the ability to increase its sales. Uh, to increase its return ons as it, it, for investment assets and, and equity, which are all three negative at this point, not negative in a huge way, but negative nonetheless. Um, I think it's a, it's, it's overvalued at this point. Um, and I, I just don't see it as, uh, as one to look at again, not a bad company. None of the, we're not saying any of these companies are good, bad, or otherwise we're looking strictly at whether these are investment opportunities for you. Uh, and right now Raytheon, great company, great, great American company, not one to invest in at this point for me either. So, um, moving on to our next uh, our, our, our next company. This one is uh, one that I, you know I, I would imagine just about everyone at least has either heard of or seen in their rearview mirror or, or or something on the highway. And uh, it's a company that that manufactures basically massive engines, uh, and these are diesel engines, natural gas engines. Uh, and they are worldwide. They're they're a global company. They have manufacturing facilities around the world. Uh, they're based obviously here in the U.S., but they market diesel, natural gas engines under their under their own brand as well as other uh, you know, customer brands. They are in heavy and medium duty trucks, uh, buses, recreational vehicles, light duty automotive, even construction, mining, uh, marine, uh, rail engines, oil and gas, defense. I mean, they're in a very broad range of where they supply their engines. And and the company that I'm talking about here is Cummins Incorporated. Uh, it trades on the New York Stock Exchange under CMI. So Cummins Incorporated. And Charles, uh, I'll first ask you, uh, you know, when you look at, at, at Cummins and you look at, um, you know, where your head's at as an investor, is, is Cummins worth your time to look at as an industrial sector uh, stock to look at to pick?
1: Yeah sure it's definitely worth your time to 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 look at it it's funny you would think with the economy in really a nasty recession that something like a, you know an industrial you know truck engine company would not exactly be where you'd want to be I mean, that's that would seem like a cyclical stock but there's a much bigger picture here you know Cummins does benefit from this transition to a greener economy even though natural gas powered engines are still that's still fossil fuel technology it's still a lot cleaner than diesel it's a lot certainly a lot cleaner than unleaded gasoline so cummins is very much in the fight for a green market share there are plenty of uh, plenty of competitors in that space you know tesla's making trucks now uh nikola which by the way nikola and tesla are both named after the same person come on guys originality please anyway uh, you, you do have a lot of uh you do have a lot of competition in this space for greener trucking, but uh, Cummins is an, is an established player, and um, I actually really like this talk as a, a, a short-term pick and a, a longer-term play here on you know, the greening of the economy. Uh, we don't really know who's going to win the, the presidential election, but if uh, the polls are accurate and the betting markets are accurate, it looks like it could be a, a narrow win for for Biden. If you do have a, a Democrat administration in office, uh, there will be more pressure for for, for companies to be greener. Uh, Cummins could be part of that solution. So I think there's a lot of pieces in place that uh, bode really well for for Cummins.
0: And I think it's interesting that a company that used to focus so heavily on diesel engines and on big rig engines is now in the same conversation as a company like Tesla uh, when you're talking about green space, green, green engines, if you will, or or Green power. Uh, I just think that's. Uh, I think it, it shows a nice resilience on on the part of of a company like Cummins to to say we need to adapt, we need to change, and and, and try to you know spread ourselves, spread our wings a little bit, and not just be so narrowly focused. Uh, Adam Odell, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, on Cummins?
2: I'm also favorable in Cummins. Um, like Charles hit on, uh, you don't have to go from full uh, diesel or unleaded to straight to electric. Uh, there is a, there is a kind of a transitional technology there in natural gas, which isn't the cleanest, but it's certainly cleaner than some of the older alternatives. So I think that, you know, rather than trying to bet the farm that, um, electric vehicle, especially in the, in the large, uh, trucking industry is going to be, um, you know, is going to come online in the next year or two, which I, I doubt it will. Uh, I think that Cummins is a great kind of a steadier eddy play, um, an easier transition to a greener, um, to a greener energy sector, um, so I like it for that reason. I also like it for a reason that you touched on yourself, Matt, that the fact that um, you know, we're basically putting, seeing these engines put in, into machinery across a number of different sectors. So, you know, home builders, they, they can go in cranes, they can go in the mining industry, uh, they can go in, in the trucking industry. So it, it's not really Cummins isn't tied to one particular narrow slice of, a, of one sector. Uh, for success, so for that, for you know, for me, that's good because it makes it more of a robust uh, sales channel. So for me, uh, I am high on Cummins. Um, it's basically made a really strong uh, recovery. The stock has; uh, it's now trading uh, a good bit above its February highs. So it rallied back and and made gains uh, even above its highs. It's now trading at all-time highs, just under $200 a share. Um, as far as my rating system, my six-factor rating system. Uh, Cummins, Cummins uh, rate's very high overall. It gets an 88 score overall with strong scores in momentum, low volatility, value, and especially on quality. So the quality of uh, Cummins uh, book, it's, it's operational metrics are very strong as are its growth metrics. So all in all, you're getting a great all-around stock, both long-term and short-term. Um, The stock is in an uptrend. It's kind of stretched a little bit far from its 200-day moving average, and it's hitting new highs, like I said, just above 200. So I personally might wait just a bit, see if the stock can make a pullback to the you know, $190, uh, $180 share range, which is kind of where it broke out from above the February highs. Um, might get a cycle nine type of signal around that uh, area if we get a pullback. Uh, but either way, if you want to put some uh, longer-term money in Cummins, I think that's a great bet.
0: And that was really my. Oh, you 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 hit on my real only concern with Cummins is the fact that it has broken through its February high, but it, is that is that a ceiling? Is, that, is it maybe going to test a high and then kind of pull back a little bit um, with overall with, with overall stock market value being very being overvalued at this point. Um, that, I'll jump that's in the, there. I mean, I, I
2: think that yeah. that's a huge psychological and I love hearing it from you because I, I hear from readers when they write in as well. I mean, buying a stock at its at its new highs feels scary and it feels like the wrong thing to do. It feels like you're paying, you know, the, the max price, uh, you know, you're not getting a good deal on it. Um, but really, the momentum strategy is, is one of the strongest, most robust, most consistent strategies out there. And consistently, I mean, some strategies, just buying new highs will, will help you beat the market. So, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you've done your due diligence, if you've rated the stock based on a number of different factors and you know it's a quality stock for the long run, I'm not too worried about buying new highs. Uh, there is a, you know, a very common chart pattern, which is called a, a breakout and retest, where you break out from a level and then the stock pulls back to that breakout level. And then that can be an even better entry point. You can get in and maybe 5 or 10%. Uh, cheaper than than you could if you bought at as it was breaking out to new highs. But ultimately, it's a great stock. So you know, don't let yourself get um, scared out of buying a stock at new highs for sure.
0: Yeah, and that was really the the only concern I had. Everything else across the board in terms of its uh, in terms of its numbers are, are solid. So I, I I like Cummins as a long term uh, a long term play. I think I think it would be good short term as well. Um, I'm I'm more of a long term look ahead type of a, a investor, but. I, I think uh, I think Cummins would fit the bill on either side. Uh, moving on to our last, uh, our the last uh, stock in the industrial sector that we'll look at today. Uh, this is and Adam alluded to this uh, earlier. This is a motor carrier or a, basically a freighter. Uh, they they transport freight across the country, uh, whether that is for commercial freight, whether that is for industrial freight. It could be moving you across the country. They do kind of all of that. Uh, it's uh, regional, interregional, national services. That uh, they've got value-added services such as uh, container dredge. We won't really get into that. Uh, Truckload brokerage, supply chain consulting. Which uh, you know, if you're a business that relies on third-party suppliers, uh, this is a company that can help you know help you try to navigate the waters of making sure you get your those third-party products to you to build out that final uh, that final component. Uh, It's got 9,296 tractors as of the end of 2019, 236 service, 42 maintenance centers. Uh, It was uh, founded in 1934 in a small town in North Carolina, Thomasville. Uh, You probably know that as a furniture company because they're also based in Thomasville. But Thomasville, North Carolina is the home for Old Dominion Freight Line. Uh, It trades on NASDAQ, uh, owned under ODFL. Uh, And uh, this is another one of those companies where if you've been on, on the highway, You've likely seen it in some form or fashion, uh, whether it be spread across, uh, you know, a, a trailer or on the side of a truck or something like that. You've you have likely seen Old Dominion uh, somehow, some way. So I'll, I'll first throw it to Charles. Charles, Old Dominion is you know uh, it's a it's a it's a leader when it comes to to freight transport, um, but is it one that? Uh, you know, is it, is it the one to look at in, in terms of, uh, you know if I'm looking at a freighter, if I'm looking at the industrial sector, is Old Dominion the one I should be paying more attention to?
1: I think it's uh, certainly one worth looking at. Um, it's funny, there's always name associations. Whenever I see Old Dominion, it makes me think of the bad guys from Star, Star Trek, uh, Deep Space Nine. I, I know I'm really showing what a nerd I am with that one, but those were the bad guys. So this is a trucking company. Named after the bad guys and start. Um, I, I digress. Uh, I actually really like this. Um, there are th- this the specialty of this uh, trucking company is. I believe the in- industry term is less than truckload. it's yes, an LT- odd uh, uh, LTL. Yeah. It's a very, it's an odd uh, turn of word, uh, turn of phrase there, but it's, what that essentially means is they specialize in smaller truckloads. And so that's that's important for a couple reasons. I, I think we are seeing the end of this era of globalization. I think it was already frayed to begin with. And I think the coronavirus was just the death knell. Nobody really wants a really big global supply chain right now that's overly complex yeah you can save a little money and and fatten your margins a little bit but at the risk of you know losing a major component part during you know during the shutdown Uh, we saw that throughout just throughout this coronavirus experience company after company has has said yeah our diversified global supply chain that sounded great before coronavirus it really does look like a liability now going forward we probably don't wanna do this, we wanna bring things closer to home. So uh, smaller regional distribution networks should be beneficial for uh, for for a, a trucker like, uh, like Old Dominion. My only concern on, on Old Dominion at all is I do think the stock's a little bit on the pricey side, so I, I feel like we may be kind of chasing it higher. Um, I'm also fully aware that right now, valuation doesn't really seem to matter much. Um, when the discount rate you used, uh, how do you value stocks, right? Well, you, you apply a discount rate to the uh, to future earnings, right? Well, when that discount rate's effectively at zero, the price of every asset becomes infinity because you're dividing by zero. And uh, so we have a long way to go before we hit infinity, obviously. So um, I, I, re- yeah, I realize valuation metrics are almost meaningless in a, a market like this. Still a little bit concerned that the stock is a little bit pricey. I don't know how much that's going to matter over the next you know, six to 12 months. So I would say uh, that th- this one would be a buy for me. Okay,
0: Adam O'Dell, uh, your your thoughts on uh, on Old Dominion?
2: Uh, this is a buy for me as well. Uh, just to play off Charles, I will note that of my six factors that I, that I rate a stock on, uh, Old Dominion rates the, the second lowest on value with a score of 27 out of 100. Uh, it rates 19 on size, just meaning it's a, it's a somewhat larger company. But overall, I mean, I scanned the the all the holdings, all of the individual stock holdings in the uh, Spider Industrial Sector ETF, which is ticker symbol XLI, which was again was at the top of my leaders and laggards board this week. And uh, of all the stocks, I mean, it's 30 or 40 stocks in the, in that ETF. Old Dominion rates uh, has the highest overall uh, stock rating according to my system, up at 93 out of 100. So out of the entire universe of thousands of stocks, there's only about 7% of stocks that rate higher than Old Dominion across the board on momentum, size, volatility, value, quality, and growth. You know, the six, six of the most important factors that drive long-term stock returns. I'll also note that uh, JB Hunt Transport Services, uh, ticker symbol JBHT, was rated number two within that sector with a, a score of 89. So you're definitely seeing this trend of, of freight and, and trucking uh, being a, a very, uh, you know, an industry that's in vogue right now. Um, not just in vogue, but it's it's really showing that it can, um, you know, with, withstand the storm and even survive uh, and and thrive during the coronavirus um, period. You know, for instance, uh, Old Dominion, where most stocks were falling, you know, 30, 40, 50, even sixty percent or more, um, you know, Old Dominion only went down about twenty five percent during the uh, Corona Crash in March. Uh, so it had about a twenty five percent drawdown, and now it's trading in uh, close to twenty five percent above its February highs. So. Uh, Old Dominion is another great example of kind of a breakout and a pullback. Um, so it broke out um, above its uh February highs and made a bit of a pullback into mid-June, and now it's it's motored higher uh, making new highs again. So ultimately, I think short-term, long-term, uh, you know, trucking stocks are, are good are a good play across the board. Uh Old Dominion and JB Hunt would would certainly be at the top of my list.
0: I agree. I, I, I like Old Dominion. I, I like way, the way it looks. I like its, its figures. And Charles, to kind of speak to your globalization, uh, you know, I, I think there's a, a, a good way to illustrate that. And that is with automotive. And I use that only because of, of, of personal experience. And, and, you know, before 1994, 1995, uh, if you wanted to import car, it had to be built overseas and brought to you. And it wasn't until 1994 that BMW um, built its massive Uh, plant in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Uh, And and the reason why they did that was because they were trying to get product to market uh, much quicker than trying to ship everything overseas. And now you're seeing this happen. You've seen it happen ever since. I mean, companies like BMW, Volvo, uh, even Tesla. I mean, Tesla's got a plant in China. It's not because, uh, you know, obviously things are cheaper in China, but the thing is, is they want to get product to market faster. Uh, And I think that's just that may speak to more of your, your your pullback of globalization and how these supply chains may already be established. Now it's just kind of perfecting them and 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 making them run smooth. With a company like Old Dominion, that, that would certainly do that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree uh, with you guys. I think Old Dominion is 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 uh, is a buy long term. So to recap, Raytheon is probably a hands off at this point, uh, but Cummins Cummins Inc. and Old Dominion are ones that, uh, as an investor, you should definitely take a look at and, and, uh, and do your homework on. And, uh, we've provided you with some insights, so maybe that's, uh, that, that will help, uh, help guide you. So, um, uh, certainly appreciate the time that, uh, both Charles Sizemore and, uh, Money and Markets Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell has provided us today. Uh, thanks for coming on as you do each and every, uh, each and every week, uh, weekend. And, uh, certainly thank you for that. Uh, before I go, just to remind you, if you, uh, uh, maybe watching the video and you're thinking maybe you want to listen to this as a podcast, you can do so. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and a wealth of other uh, different podcast channels out there, uh, by all means, subscribe to those, leave us a review, leave us a comment if you'd like. If maybe you're going the other way and you're like, well, I listened to this, maybe I'd like to see the video, you can do so. You can go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com and just type in uh, money and markets and you'll see our, our, all of our podcasts there as well as all the other videos that we produce on a, uh, on a weekly, daily basis. Uh, there's, there's a lot there to digest. So you can see all of our old podcasts, check that out. Uh, also there you can uh, subscribe get alerted to e- anytime you uh, anytime we put out a new video of any e- Uh and uh, you can leave us a comment a review there as well you can like uh, like our videos uh, if you uh, have a maybe a stock you'd like us to look at maybe you'd like us to run it through Adams six factor uh, system uh, we would love to be able to do that for you just uh, email us the bull and bear at moneymarkets.com and we would love to do that if you maybe you have a pretty good topic you'd like us to address on one of our podcasts we'd love to do that as well uh, just email us again. That's the bull and bear at moneyandmarkets.com. Uh, that's going to about wrap it up for us uh, for this uh, this edition of the Bull and the Bear podcast. So glad that you have taken the time to either download or watch the video uh, or or watch us through moneyandmarkets.com. Uh, make sure you stay tuned. Uh, we've well, we've got more coming up next week as we do each and every week. It doesn't really slow down um, for us at all. So uh, you know, for Charles Sizemore and uh, Money Markets Chief Investment Strategist Adam Odell, I am your host, Matt Clark. And uh, thank you for taking time to uh, listen to uh, this episode of The Bull and the Bear. And until next time, safe trading. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you.